You are listening to a podcast from Camden Community Radio. www.ccradio.org You are now about to begin the great adventure, the journey out of your mind. experts and we have zero psychological training and we're trying to figure out what the hell is going on welcome to tearing us apart that was great okay, yeah great. good take good take welcome to my laboratory <laughs> it is i count survey please take off your coat and sit down on my couch are you ready then we will begin our questionnaire. <laughs> so, really so much fun. <laughs> you will be asked 26 questions concerning the paranormal, and you must give your answers in numbers in numbers 1 to 7. 1 means strongly disagree, 4 means neutral, and 7 is strongly agree. Capiche? Okay, gotcha. Okay. I capiche. The soul continues to exist, though the body may die. I'm going to go to the one. It depends. I'm going to get really philosophical and ask what the soul is. I don't think the soul does exist. One to seven. (laughs) Okay, I'll stop. Uh, One. Some individuals are able to levitate objects through mental forces alone. No one. Wow, oh, you got a skeptic. The abominable snowman <laughs> of Tibet exists. <laughs> like a zero. <laughs> okay, very good. Your results are being calculated. <laughs> what are my results? Well, uh, first of all, welcome to Tearing Us Apart, the Halloween special. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. <laughs> where we will be uh, investigating the psychology behind um, the belief in the paranormal. And I have your results from Count Survey. You just completed the revised paranormal belief um, survey. Uh, it's kind of just numbers. You got a one. You got a one in traditional religious belief. One means really low. Don't believe at all. You don't believe. Okay. <laughs> you have no traditional religious belief. No belief in witchcraft, uh-huh. superstition, or uh-huh. spiritualism. You have okay. a two in PSI. So in this belief in these kind of um, paranormal forces that humans maybe that some humans might be able to move things with. Um, uh-huh. You have a three in the belief of in extraordinary life. So that's that's. Okay. Fail as creeping towards a neutral. You still don't believe in it, but you're creeping towards neutral <laughs> yeah. on it. And you're strongest on precog, precognition, where you're a 3.25. So you're almost at neutral on that. Okay. Those are your results. And the the point of the today's show, and I guess the point of that survey, is um, psychology's attempt to understand or look at... Um, paranormal beliefs because Mm -hmm. um it's not something that psychology looks at a lot and yet um most western societies have a 
fairly high level of belief in the paranormal. Uh, there was a survey done in America. They found that three quarters of the American population believe in at least one thing that we would count as apparent as something paranormal. There's there's all these um, paranormal beliefs in society, and they're kind of quite widespread and common. And yet, psychology generally really doesn't um, pay much attention to them because, yeah, they're just dismissed, you know. But surely the job of psychology is to work out what we actually think, not what we should think. And loads of people do believe in this stuff. Um, and so uh, that's why we today are going to solve it. <laughs> <laughs> Although it's not a big topic in psychology, as I learned through researching this, there's definitely people, there are people who dedicate their career to this, and they call themselves the anomalistic psychology. So the like the psychology of anomalies. And most recently, um, or a recent one that's got quite a lot of press, was a few years ago, uh, some, sci- some psychologists in Switzerland managed to find people who felt had felt the presence of a ghost and then managed to um, like induce that feeling in them again. And like the way they did it was kind of weird. Like they 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 got the people to put their finger on a robot and like push their finger around in this in this in the grip of this robot grip their finger and then got them to push the finger around. Mm. And then there was another robot touching their back, which exactly mirrored the movements that they were making. That's really weird. Do you get what? Yeah. Do you get that? Well, that just doing that doesn't make you feel like a ghost. If it does it exactly at the same time, that's fine, and you don't get any weird feeling. But they found if you delay the thing by like a few thousandths of a second, then people get this really spooky feeling. And so, uh, I wonder if that could be like a problem in like the senses, though, in the brain. Like, that could be just the psychological phenomenon of not getting the touch feeling as soon as you should be receiving it. Their explanation was basically, yeah, was that, that they say that this shows that the feeling of a a presence that in the room with you, you know, that feeling that is real that people feel that. They're saying that Mm -hmm. what that could be caused by is, yeah, is like a slight misfiring in your brain and there's like this delay. And if you have this kind of delay when your brain, that basically, yeah, you, if your brain goes out of step slightly, it can um, misperceive like itself. You can, something to do with like yeah. how you can end up. Um, See, that makes sense. Projecting you, like the ghost, your brain is actually, what is the ghost is actually yourself, which is kind of spooky as well. Uh-huh. Like your brain is misunderstanding itself and thinking itself is. Or thinking you were something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so there's there's all these kind of um, reasons, uh, these these kind of rational reasons that have been given for these irrational beliefs. But when I was reading through them, I don't know. I just find them all kind of a bit boring, and and like they kind of um, took away and didn't totally explain uh the or didn't satisfactorily explain the f- experiences that i've had in in my life of the paranormal so oh, yes yes so i mean i've had one paranormal experience uh uh-huh. let me tell you 
Um, when I was a young boy, I did see a ghost in a mirror. I was in my parents' bedroom looking at myself in the mirror. I don't know why. I must have been about eight. Um, so I guess it was strange that I was in there anyway. And then I saw my great-grandmother, who was dead, um, standing behind me, uh, clear as day, uh, but in the mirror. I saw her in the mirror. And, you know, it lasted a few seconds, and then she went. I don't know. I kind of... It's a memory that's definitely lasted with me my whole life. And I think that it would be explained reading through these exactly these these um reasons that i mean all these psychological explanations of phenomenon like there is one that's explained why we see things in mirrors and it's kind of this idea of like top-down processing um which uh-huh. is like our brain we process all information like from the bottom up and from the top down and like from the bottom up is just our senses taking the information our senses tell us and uh, the raw data and then from the top down is like going with like these um concepts that we know exist and these things we know exist in the world and and then you kind of we kind of mix the two of them to work out what we're looking at you know you like take the raw data and you take the number of things you know exist and you're like oh yeah it's a sponge um uh-huh. and and when the raw data is a bit cloudy or it's impartial then like the then you're more likely to just impose something incorrectly on stuff and like that's apparently why you might see things in mirrors that aren't really there because you're seeing huh. something you're kind of yeah you've got a bad you're actually your brain's filling like a in a bad signal almost yeah exactly your brain's overfilling because it, it doesn't it never it's never just going to show you like a black patch where it didn't quite know what was going on that's so yeah that's interesting but I find that, that would be really weird if your brain did show you black patches. Well, yeah, exactly, right? You're like, yeah, it wasn't quite sure what this was, so I just leave so it blank. So had you been, had you been in that situation before when she'd been there? No, or no, no, she'd never been there. No, she'd never been in the house. Um, so because she lived down in England, and huh. and she was like the oldest lady I knew and she died and I was I knew she died and I think I also knew that people see ghosts in mirrors so you know I remember even yeah. at the time I was skeptical of myself um but, <laughs> but I really did see it you know I didn't yeah. make it up um and I guess the idea of like a half scene of that top-down processing and not on that as an explanation is interesting it's really interesting but it feels like half the explanation. Like, I feel like there's more to it than that, personally. Like, that experience meant more to me than something I missaw. And I feel like it's the job of psychology, you know, to... They shouldn't just poo-poo a human Uh experience. And I wondered, yeah, I mean, have you ever brushed with the paranormal or the strange? Um, no. But... I did. There was a time also at uni where I thought I might be about to be facing some sort of paranormal thing uh-huh. because um, there was one night the window was open and all it was the middle of the night and all I could hear was <sighs> and it was just this really weird like very deep breathing of some kind and it just kept going and it was just like and it was really regular and it wasn't very loud it was just kind of like like something breathing and I went to my window and I looked out the window 
and I looked all around and our uni halls backed onto um it wasn't like a big forest but it had like this forested part um and so all I could see was like darkness and these trees and nothing else and I thought it was really weird but I closed my window and I tried to go back to bed but I could still hear this like outside my window and I was like this is a bit weird so I went into the kitchen which was next to my bedroom and I looked out those windows which were much bigger and I still couldn't see anything I could still hear it but I couldn't see anything and then someone else came into the kitchen and they were like can you hear a really weird sound and I was like yeah you mean like the deep breathing person outside I can definitely hear that and I can't see anything and um so we're just there like with our heads out the window into the darkness with this very regular and like really weird and then we had heard that there were people who we were on the first floor but there were people who would walk around the uni block and steal things from the windows of the ground floor rooms and we had seen this happening. So this was like a real thing that happened with real people going around. So we were like, what if it's like one of the creepers downstairs and we just can't see them because it's dark? And so we decided there were about three of us at this point who had all heard this thing and gone into the kitchen. And uh, so we knocked on the door of the there was in each of the halls. There was like the third year student who like lived there and kind of like managed things, I guess. But um Oh, yeah, that's so we went, exactly the sort of person you'd want in this situation. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we knocked on the door of our very um, uh, thin and small third-year student guy who lived there. And we were like, yeah, man, there's, uh, there's like really weird deep breathing going on and we don't know where it's coming from. And, um, and he was like, oh, okay, well, I should probably go out and like check it out. I guess. And, uh, <laughs> so, and we were I? like, yeah, yeah, you should. <laughs> so we sent him out. We did actually go out with him because we, we felt a bit bad about it. So we all went out and we walked around the back of the accommodation with like a flashlight. But he went ahead and he was like calling out being like, who's there? Like, is anyone there? And still we could hear this. Oh, wow. And it was a really badly lit, like these were like the dingy, like student accommodations. It was really badly lit. They were like the cheapest ones you could get and they were awful. And it was completely dark. And he was just like going with like, I don't think it was even a torch. I don't think any of us had torches. I think it was like the torch on his phone and we couldn't see anything. And we just got creeped out and we called and he was like, okay, I think we're just going to go back inside now. We went back inside. And he called, like, the campus security. Campus security walked around, and they were like, yeah, there's nothing there. But we were like, well, we can all hear it, so what is this thing? But they were like, well, there's nothing there, so, you know, go to bed. So we all went to bed, still with this weird deep breathing going on. The next morning, we're in the kitchen talking about it, and one of the students is like, oh, you mean the fox? (laughs) (laughs) And they played a recording on their phone. And it was exactly the same sound. And they were like, yeah, that's, that's foxes.
Well, you seemed to be able to accept the fox man's put down. I would have railed against it. Um, <laughs> and I think, yeah, what I felt was that, uh, yeah, that in general, that I guess sometimes psychology should give slightly deeper, more powerful explanations for things which are deep and powerful in themselves. Um, and I found a one person who does. Uh, he was um, a guy, this was like 100 years ago, in Edinburgh, but he was an American guy. He's a very, very famous American psychologist called William James, who is the oh, yeah. father of American psychology. Uh-huh. And um, he gave these lectures in Edinburgh about um, the varieties of religious experiences. So it's not about ghosts, but he, when he was talking about religion, they were really focused on like the individual experience of religion and moments of uh of a feeling of connectedness with God or including like kind of visions. And also he was a member of the American like parapsychology psychic explanation. Mm -hmm. So he believed in, he believed in ghosts. And it's a very beautifully written and and brilliant uh, by all accounts. I'm no judge of that. Um, um, uh, Like defense of defense of the feelings of, of paranormal moments or of, of mystical moments in life. Um, and he, he, a bit which I like, where he kind of says that, you know, these medical materialists or the medical scientists uh, are always kind of just crushing things by saying that so, so the, that an experience or the soul flights are nothing but expressions of our organic disposition. So apparently at that time they used to say that, you know, oh, these visions are just caused by, like, I'm imbalancing your liver and like, you know, it's not filtering the blood properly and that's going to your head and making you see things. And then he goes on to say, look, it's all very well coming up with these medical explanations for why you might see something or why your brain thinks in a certain way. But, um, but, but every thought you have is in some way controlled by something medical in your body by that logic, right? Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, so he's saying, fine, like there's some organic basis for these thoughts. And like, maybe it is to do with there's a bit of your brain that's not looping right. And that's giving you this thought or but then all thoughts, all states of mind are kind of based in your brain so that we shouldn't dismiss this state of mind and the things that we see when we're in it. And um, he quotes from St. John who said that these visions enrich life marvellously. A single one of them may be sufficient to abolish at a stroke a certain imperfection of which the soul during its life had vainly tried to rid itself and to leave it adorned with virtues and loaded with supernatural gifts. A single one of these intoxicating consultations may reward it for all the labours undergone in its life, even were they numberless. And, And then James says that in mystical states we become one with the absolute and we become aware of our oneness and this is everlasting and triumphant mystical tradition, hardly altered by different clime or creed. Um, so yeah, I think that's, and I thought that was lovely. And I think these days, these days, there's this deference to science, you know, and like kind of people just be like, oh, I'm probably just being silly. Look, the scientists say it's not real, but somehow um, just telling everyone it's not real and then moving on isn't enough. It's like, you, yeah. you can't, you take Like, it. that's, I think, also why I was mentioning the definitions beforehand. Like, I don't believe in ghosts, but, or like, I don't believe in the soul, but I do believe in, you know, how people remember other people and how 
their brain probably uses memories of those people and will sometimes get confused. And it's like, well, how are you defining a ghost and how are you defining a soul? Because they kind of live on in the impression they've had on other people. Again, getting a little bit philosophical and whoopee, but um, if you, yeah, like if you're like a ghost is like this particular thing and it's like this white figure lurking in the corner, then maybe I like, I'm not really with you. But if you think of it as like, it's a, it's a part of your brain that's been changed by the acts of this person and that can come back into your head, then yeah, I believe in that because that's an actual, that's a kind of a fact. Yeah. It would be nice to see more articles which, instead of just outlining their proof as to why something is not real, came up with more suggestions as to why the experience happened. Yeah, exactly. And kind of legitimized that experience rather than just going, well, it wasn't real. Maybe they'd say that's not the role. Maybe that's not, maybe, because I mean, I don't even really know what psychology is. Maybe they'd say, look, that's just not the role (laughs) of a psychologist. But then in a way, like, Uh surely to answer, like, you know, why the mind works and how, you know, to understand why across all cultures, there seems to be this desire to believe in, in paranormal forces. Like, that is a really interesting question. And, uh, yeah, I don't think we've answered it, but. But they should. They should devote <laughs> more to time talk, to it. Good one to think about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that is um that's all the spookiness I have. I love that. That was great. Thank you for bringing that to the table this episode. Good. All right. Well, um may the ghosts be with you and uh <laughs> hauntings be rife and I hope next time you hear a deep and mystical breathing outside your window that it isn't a fox. (laughs) Me too. Amen to that. (laughs) Bye. Bye.